This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Florence and the Machine there, rabbit heart, 11 after 4. You want In Your Face on 3CR with James. Well, Karen Parker is a peer support worker for the LGBTIQ Safe Housing Network based at Drummond Street Services. And Karen joins us in the studio. Welcome, Karen, to 3CR. Thank you so much. Nice to be here. It's great to have you on board. Let's start with some of the causes of homelessness. What are the links between homophobia and transphobia and homelessness in your experience as a housing worker? Okay, well, I mean, I suppose the the thing that really screams out is, is mostly underlying it is the rate of family violence and, and and violence around you know domestic violence that causes people in the first place to be you know to leave the home they're in. This is young people to start with, and that kind of um, creates a uh, kind of like a a whole like bunch of people that end up. You know, uh, the first client I ever had was a, a trans person, young trans person who'd been kicked out of home because of his, uh, you know, his transitional stuff. And that's, uh, you know, it's just so sad that, that that would happen. But that's actually, you know, a big one. And generally speaking, you know, there's like any minority is, 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 is like, you know, suffering under this kind of, you know, this kind of a society where it's, it's really everything that's there is there for the for the uh, prototypical part of society, which is like, you know, the people who have got the most privilege in the first place. So, yeah, there's nothing... The government is only just beginning, and I'm talking about the state government, is only just beginning with its latest stuff to think about these things. And that client's experience of being of being thrown out of home because they were transitioning, that must be a very common story that you hear as a housing worker. It is, yeah. And, and right across the age group, that, that person was a young person, and I also hear about uh, older people who express that they may be in a marriage relationship and the person cannot uh, accept that. And then suddenly they find themselves, uh, you know, on the street, living in a car or something, or, you know, uh, just, you know, staying, you know, going, traveling on trains, going around and around, doing all sorts of things. You know, people, they're pretty ingenious, actually, the ways they think of to get a place for the night, you know. And do you see a lot of people, like, on public transport for as long as they can stay yeah. on it because it's warm or totally. it's cool? Absolutely. They go for, yeah, I've seen that for years. They just uh, It's a way of getting around and, you know, you've got your stuff with you and you can, you've got, you know, relative safety compared to... And, you know, staying in lit areas around the edges of shopping centres and things like that. Um, so there's kind of like all these, you know, whole strategies that people have to put together to, you know, in a population that's kind of, well, they're not invisible, but actually people make them invisible by ignoring them. So, And safety must be a huge issue for, for queer people who are homeless, um, including, of course, trans people, very much yeah, so. Yeah, I think it's very, you know, it's an extreme issue. I mean, it's terrible for anyone, but you've got an extra layer in a way because you've got, you're very vulnerable to those people who who uh, would love to, to take an opportunity to uh, actually, you know, to, you know, express their toxic views and or even worse than that, even, you know, and we know no cases of people who've been harassed and, you know, I'm talking about harassed by thugs and stuff like that, but also by police who've been, you know, who move people on and things like that, who have no, you know, no kind of real, um, you know, no sense of, you know, uh, well, no sense, let's put it that way. <laughs> you, mentioned, you mentioned violence. I mean, that must be a huge issue for trans people who are homeless in particular. 
Yeah, it's really, uh, it's really worrying, and it's um, you know, despite what some people think in the mainstream society, a lot of violence still goes on. A lot of violence is unreported. But uh, a few trans women I know was you know at least half a dozen at any given time, just in my own friendship group that are uh, experiencing that kind of thing and having to depend on people who are sometimes, uh, you know, everyone wants something to, to give something and there's all kinds of, like, deals that go on for people to just have a place, you know, so they're staying in unsafe positions, un- unsafe conditions, uh, you know, because there is no choice about that, you know, and um, to some people it's it's not bad to get under, uh, like, uh, under the, the, you know, some plastic roof of a back shed or something or, or under... You know, or you know, sort of, you know, creeping in the back of a car, an un- abandoned car somewhere, or whatever it may be, like that's actually that's a lot better than some other places they could be going. So, yeah, there's a lot of stories out there that people don't realise exist. I think, and um, well, they may see they've got some kind of like Channel Nine, you know, two second grab version of it, but they don't actually realise the whole the, every day is like a, a strategy for survival for a lot of people just to get through, just to just to be in a place, you know. What's the most kind of amazing strategy for survival story for a homeless person that, that you can share? Because I know you've obviously got confidentiality yeah. that you have to stick by, but is there anything you can share about well, I can those share strategies? share a funny one in a way. Um, I think this would be okay to say, but um, this is outside of the uh, studio, outside of the, uh, the, prop, the kind of program, but uh, I think a couple of years ago I was just uh, having a little uh, social get-together, if you know what I mean, like sort of like a group of people who want to get together to, you know, like uh, you know, queer people. And this guy came along, and I just liked him straight away. And, um, you know, it was kind of like a hookup thing, right? So there's three or four of us at my place. And, and this guy, it turned out he, he was actually homeless, and he needed a place to live. And I, you know, he was just like this gorgeous guy. He was like, you know, he'd done it hard for about a year, and he was going around doing the hookup scene, just trying to – he can get a place to stay warm for a night. And, you know, he might get a few other things happen too that we make it – but I thought that was great. I, I love that, you know. He's a queer person. So, I mean, not part of the scene, though, not part of the, the community necessarily, but, you know, I just think that's uh, kind of – like, I admire that, actually. You know, that's, that's really, um, you know – got to do what you've got to do, it's, you know. Uh, and that's a common story as well. And, you know, you see that a lot at sex on-premises venues, for example, mm. where, there are, where there are homeless people from the queer community, men who have sex with men who, who go there. Do you think that housing services should be doing yeah. outreach to queer venues well, to kind of address that? Maybe, actually. I mean, that's it. that is a point, but I suppose that that's, that sort of triggers in me the, the kind of reality for the non the non-male-identifying uh, population out of the queer... Because, you know, uh, for example, I live here in Collingwood and there's three clubs that won't let me in there on their premises, and I won't name them, they're gay uh, venues, and uh, that, that discrimination is completely allowed to go on. You know, So they, those, those places are cut out for, for trans people to get into. As far as whether the housing services should provide outreach, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how... I really don't know if those places would cooperate, the ones that I know of. I, I don't, you know, I'm not really confident that they're actually, uh, that they care about those members of the community, that, and, uh, you know, and that they would even, you know, they're very ready to exclude a lot of other people. So, yeah. yeah. Yes. Domestic violence is an issue that's getting a light shone on it, uh, including in the LGBTIQ community. What services exist for queer folks who are def- who are fleeing domestic violence well, situations? There is, for the first time, some uh, you know, there's been a great change in that some actual concrete uh, funding has come uh, from the state government to help uh, 
uh, queer people who are going through this, and that's great. So agencies like ours at Drummond Street Services and others can actually help people with that. If with, with the, they can help them get uh, the money together to get a, a place or to you know the, whatever it may need to you know to get to to a safe place. Um, that didn't used to exist, so that's great. Um, that's just the beginning, though. That's that's sort of like they've created the. It's hopefully this what's going on now with this wave of funding is the first of, of you know it's going to be something that's going to be expanded. So this is yeah. funding from the state government. Yeah, well the problem really is that the federal government on both sides have ignored this. They they have shown that they don't care about home, you know, people without a home, which is the wording I prefer, and uh, they do not. Uh, they, you know, like, there's been no initiative from them. They haven't built public... I live in the forest flats, and why aren't they building more? Uh, why, are they, why, are they, uh, why are they colluding with this uh, aesthetic judgment kind of uh, view on those flats? We need big buildings because there's a lot of people, 100,000 people on that public housing waiting list. And, like, you know, um, you know, there's, like, people here in Collingwood, you know, you know, it really saddens me to see Indigenous people having to sleep along Smith Street every night. And, uh, you know, yeah. so the, the federal government need to be pressured um, to, to, to put their thing in. Andrew's government have done something, and that's good. I'm not like a proponent of them, part, you know, but, you know, they've at least done something. They haven't done nearly enough. They have to do a lot more than that, but that's, uh, that's, we've got that at least in Victoria. So it's got such a long way to go, and I think because it's not a sexy issue, that's the problem. That's just my opinion. I think that they can't sell it as well, you know, because people who are you know, more or less... Uh, well off in the sense that they've got a place to live and security about it. Uh, sadly, a lot of them, you know, haven't taken the time to consider the people who haven't got that. And, and so, yeah, it'd be great if there was some initiative from the feds. Yeah. So tell us about the work of the uh, LGBTI Safe Housing Network. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a pilot program. It, um, it's been uh, it's been an amazing uh, eighteen months where we've um, uh, about it's been various teams that have come that have sort of been made up throughout and uh, we've tried to to engage with people in all their intersectional problems as well because you know we find that people who have got uh, you know an issue where they do not have access to a safe home to, to be in they also inevitably have all these other intersecting issues like you know domestic violence um, other other issues that, that they need support for so it's it's great to be able to talk to, to talk to them and help them and also for the very first time I think the most exciting thing that's coming out of it now is this collaborative approach between queer housing officers of different agencies working together instead of as little cells or silos. And so there's a very strong collaboration now between us and Drummond Street Services and Vincent Care and Wombat Housing, those three uh, covering the north, the west, and we're not a housing agency, but this is our, you know, we, we want to... You do the strategies and the networking to yeah, enable well, workers to, to help people as much as they can, because I guess the underlying issue you're dealing with is there's just not enough housing stock. That's the, Look, i tell you what, the problem, you, you know, public housing, public housing, public housing, that is the actual problem. Isn't it? That would, that, that would, you know, when they build some public housing, put some actual money into that, because, yeah, you're right, Finland were the... Were we're able to sort of make a lot of uh, progress. They've almost reduced homelessness in Finland. They've more by a, a public housing building kind of strategy over ten years. They just well, whilst Australia and other uh, other countries their their graphs at the rate of uh, building public housing and supplying it went down. Theirs went up, and naturally, I mean, you know, well, they've shown it. Those uh, figures are it's very low figures now for Finland for homelessness, and that's yeah. all because governments actually put the money. They in. put the money in. It's so simple, you know, like. Um, People without a home, what do they need? They need a home. And, and for whatever reason, they can't get it. But it's no good just saying, oh, well, you'll have to work it. You know, 
what chance have they got if they're that if they're in that position, you know, starting from scratch to get to get the money to get into a home? They can't even get, you know, nobody is going to accept you rocking up to a real estate agent and you're, you know, you look at you've been sleeping around the streets for like six months. And then you're on top of that, you might be trans, you might be queer, you might just have like, you know, there might be stuff around, you know, your identity that they can discriminate against. And you're really in a position then where you just have to do whatever you can. You might have to steal stuff, you might have to do whatever you have to to get that uh, that protection, that self-care. So, yeah, it's, um, I think this is this is exciting, this group, because it's uh, this is the first time that we're thinking about our community. Like we're thinking about it. Before this, we only had, we had some great, there's great agencies out there, but there was lots of, and there still are, sadly, lots of stories of, refuges and places that don't understand gender and, and, and they're kind of turning away some people, you know, for example, non-binary people and uh, gender non-conforming people who, you know, propose, they pose a problem in some people's minds because they have to make some interpretation through an assessment of looking at them, which is wrong. And uh, trans guys as well, they sometimes uh, don't get access to services because they're interpreted as equating to a uh, cis guy and that's not the same. You know, that's, that's the level... They've experienced misogyny, you know, they've, they've gone through a different path in life and they shouldn't be, I mean, you know, so that's a real problem. That's, that's a bit like the prison system where you've got a gendered background of, uh, of uh, distribution of people. Uh, so that's a big one. Um, but there's some exciting news on that. I could say that there's, that, that's changing too. It's the first, I feel like we're at the, the first point of a really exciting, oh, I have to be optimistic, optimistic where there are going to be some... I can't talk about what those places are, but there is going to be some opening up of places for LGBTI people, specifically for them. And Family Earth Six Network have, have had five beds for quite a while. No, no, so I'm talking about the uh, housing in the community now. The prison system, uh, I can't comment on, but I don't think it's... Uh, I think that just, you know, it's no good making it a comfortable place. It's all, you know, or saying you have. It's like, um, yeah, as far as I know, that's not... That problem hasn't been addressed at all, uh, and... But I think here in Victoria, there are the first stages of, of some of the agencies providing new housing that's going to be dedicated to LGBTI people. And that's exciting, yeah. So, yeah, I was just saying that before that, uh, FAN, Family Access Network, they, they supplied five beds for under 25. Uh, they were the only ones in Victoria that were d- dedicated to LGBTI people. Um, at least they did do that. But there's others coming that I'm not allowed to sort of talk about yet. But um, <laughs> we'll watch this space. Karen <laughs> Parker from Queer Space at Drummond Street Services. Thanks heaps for joining us today on 3CR. Oh, thank you so much. Youth group there, catching and killing. It's almost a quarter to five. Run in your face on 3CR with James, while Tristan Meacham is an artist who facilitates creative frameworks that enable social transformation. Tristan, welcome back to In Your Face on 3CR. It's great to have you on board. Thanks so much for having me. Tell us about All the Queen's Men and how it began. So All the Queen's Men is a artistic company that I run with my art husband, Beck Reed, and together we create works that um, usually collaborate collaborations with different types of wonderful community groups and individuals. And most recently, we have created a big body of work that supports the social and mental and physical needs of LGBTI elders in Victoria and now uh, nationally and internationally, which is really exciting. So we created a project called the Coming Back Out Ball, which has been uh, in Melbourne for the last two years and also a project that's been running for about four or five years now every month, which is the LGBTI Elders Dance Club. 
Fantastic. And I imagine the dance club actually breaks down a lot of social isolation for our elders, and you must really see the benefits of that. Yeah, I guess the thing is about creating uh, an event that is regular, where they're every once a month, uh, the third Sunday of the month, at the Melbourne Spiegel Tent. And it really is providing an opportunity for those people that may not necessarily have the chance to connect, to go out and have a dance, to, to come on a Sunday afternoon, really enjoy building a community together. And I guess one of the exciting things is that the event is not just for elders, it's for the whole community to come and celebrate and support. What's really exciting now is we're getting a lot of people from the LGBTQA plus community that from different uh, age demographics and the younger younger generations now coming in and and finding that actually it's one of the you know funnest things you can do on a Sunday afternoon and really connecting with those people that have come before. So it's, it's, it's even though it's called the LGBTQA Elders Dance Club, it's really for the whole community to come and really support those that have led the way or those that are just coming out for the very first time in later age. So do you sometimes see family networks coming along or rainbow family networks like elders bringing along their children, for example? Look, uh, we welcome everyone. I think that's one of the unique things. No one's turned away at all. So come one, come all. We've had some younger yeah, families bring bring children as well. And we have had people that have, you know, haven't been connected to family and as a result of coming to Dance Club have started to build really strong friendships that have lasted, you know, obviously a number of years. And also we have some people that don't actually get to get the chance of coming out at all. So this is often their only social excursion and as such it, it really means something for those people to come out but I guess the thing of being able to chat with you on the radio is connecting with the community and also making sure that they know that this event is happening and that it's free to attend and that we really do welcome people to start becoming I guess community advocates for the project in the way that uh, if you do know an elder that may be socially isolated or feeling like they can't really connect with the community, that this is an opportunity to bring them along to the dance club. It's really, you know, the dance club is really just an opportunity to build community and really sort of socialise. So there's absolutely no pressure for people to dance if they don't feel comfortable. What is always um, happens at the dance club is wonderful chats and meeting new people. There's always great food and drinks and also, you know, great music and, and entertainment. So we really start, we're really hoping that people start to take uh, ownership of the event and really make sure that those that may not necessarily feel connected know about it and can come and enjoy it as well. So you mentioned the music. What kind of music do you play? Do you revisit particular eras, for example? Yeah, look, at the moment we have some really amazing social dancers that lead the um, uh, lead each dance club. So, you know, that's that's different dance styles from, you know, the cha-cha to the, you know, the samba. All of these different things are, are being brought in. So those the music is specific to, to each of those dance styles, but then we also mix it up. We take requests from people. We also make sure that there's some more contemporary music for younger generations, but we also hark back to different styles of music, to rock, to... Um, to you know, pop, to, to jazz. We've got all those sort of different music. And also the wonderful thing is that we want to make sure that we're making the event specific for those that are coming. So if any elder or one, someone coming along has some suggestions, we'll whack that on the playlist as well. <laughs> and organising these dances must be a great way for you to kind of connect with LGBTIQ history. What are some of the stories that you've heard? 
Look, we hear stories each and every week from people that are connecting with Dance Club and I think there's been a really wonderful movement in Victoria about making sure that we start including spaces for our elders. I think the thing about it, though, is that we're still having people come out for the very first time to these events. So the assumption that, you know, people are out because they're older is not necessarily the case. And I guess we want to support our elders in the same way that all of the all of the different parts of our community um, should probably come and come and be part of as well. Obviously, we've got people that have lived through a whole lot of different times, and I guess the wonderful thing is that those stories are part of the dance club. So you hear histories, you hear lived experiences and life stories as part of the wonderful conversations that are happening, and and you learn about all of the things that you sort of have inherited that are the privileges that we all live with now from the people that are actually there. So I guess that's also a really wonderful thing for the dance club is that it's actually a wonderful chance to chat to people that have, you know, lived through it all and, and really learn from them about resilience and hope and strength and all of those sort of wonderful things that our community do so well. Some people actually kind of beginning the coming out process, even though they're older, they're actually coming along to the ball and perhaps it's the first time they've come out publicly as an LGBTIQ person. That must be beautiful to see. Yeah, I think it is, and I think that's what's really important about the project. It's a safe space for anyone to come along to. So we really respect people's anonymity as well. So you can come and you can chat to some of the organisers, and if you're not feeling confident about being out, you know, we'll, we'll make sure that you're, you're you're in a safe space and you're looked after in those cases. And we do, yeah, we do get people that are coming specifically for that opportunity to be safe and who they are in that in that environment. And I guess just because you're older doesn't necessarily mean that you've you know, dealt with all of those things. So I guess this is a wonderful opportunity to come together and feel really wonderful in who you are without having any pressures of having to, you know, to be a certain way or look a certain way or or subscribe to certain ideologies as well. So we really do welcome the whole community, the whole LGBTIQA plus community. I guess the really exciting thing about Dance Club is now it's starting to happen nationally. So it's happening in different places around Australia. We're taking it to the Adelaide Cabaret Festival and we'll be happening in Tasmania in partnership with Muna Arts Centre and Tas Pride. And it's now, it will actually be this time, this on Sunday, as well as happening in Melbourne, it'll be happening, happening simultaneously in Glasgow, in Scotland, and then in Venice, in Scotland, in partnership with Project Partners, National Theatre of Scotland, and the Illuminate Festival, and Eaton Court. So it's rather exciting that it's starting to build, and we also are really appreciative of our wonderful new venue in Melbourne. I'm not sure if you've been to the Melbourne Spiegel tent down the road from your wonderful studios, but we're based there now thanks to the support of Yarrow City Council. Yeah, it's a beautiful venue. I'm also fascinated by the Scottish connection. Tell us the backstory to how, how the dancers are, are beginning there. Yeah, we're presenting the Coming Back Out Ball uh, in Scotland in 2020 in in Glasgow in partnership with the National Theatre of Scotland there. So we've encouraged all of the local partners to work with us to present the dance club in the lead up so dance clubs will be held monthly both in Inverness up at the top of Scotland beautiful beautiful area and also in Glasgow every month up into the ball in 2020. Fantastic now of course today is Ida Hobbit there's also a federal election tomorrow through your experience you know working with LGBTI elders through the dancers what more could we as a community and also whoever wins government what services do you think they should be funding for LGBTIQ elders and and how can the community help more? 
I think all of these initiatives that are working from the ground up in terms of community building these things that are specific to their needs are really important. So looking at people's policy in terms of supporting those social and creative actions as well as uh, larger community initiatives are really important to build both the community's well-being, which is a, you know across mental, physical and social health, and knowing that investing in those things can really, really shift the way that people seen and feel about themselves. So I guess I encourage those that are looking at the coming elections to really think about those that are supporting policy across all of the different intersections of different communities and really urge them that it's a vital time in terms of in terms of Australia and making sure that we really do make the right decisions tomorrow. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a big day, isn't it? And, you know, it's it's interesting that you've got such a stark contrast between some of the political parties over LGBTIQ policy. And I think it's really great that you're highlighting the need to work with those intersections because we are such a diverse community. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's the continuous thing to think that just because something has happened once um, means that it um, has been dealt with. And I think obviously the year before last year, um, when there was such a significant movement, obviously, no, year before last, significant sort of conversation in around the rights of LGBTI. Maybe not necessarily in terms of actually what was needed or wanted, that conversation was happening about us rather than with and by and for us. So um, I think that there's still a lot of work to do in terms of being able to support people, support people's mental health, support community, um, and really build something so that we can actually be proud across across this, this land of ours. Absolutely. Of course, what you were alluding to before was the marriage equality debate. What are LGBTI elders saying to you about, about that, that experience that, that they went through as well as the rest of the queer community? I think the thing that I learned about was that it was a conversation that was happening very publicly with maybe some of the young, younger generations, but our older communities may not necessarily have been consulted uh, during that process as much as they should have been, and also just realising that the idea of marriage for many older people was an incredibly problematic concept in its form simply because of the times in which they lived. So the idea of even saying, what does marriage mean to you, was a really complex complex question when actually we should have been discussing what does equality mean. And I think that conversation obviously is something that needs to continue rather than be something that has been voted on and then shelved. And that's not just across the LGBTI community. I think that's across many, many communities that need to be considered in terms of tomorrow, um, in terms of people's vote, but also in terms of making sure that we're a fair and just and uh, equitable community that is really thinking about what does it mean to support those that may not necessarily have the privileges that the majority do. Absolutely, and of course it's really timely that you've made those comments because today is Ida Hobbit as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So it's always good to have these sort of touch points in terms of rec- recognising what we uh, need to do as a community, but also how, I guess, that needs to obviously continue across many people's different experiences throughout the year. And I think obviously these moments of visibility are really important, but I think also what is important is this long-term connection with different types of community, and that's what we hope to do with the dance clubs by guaranteeing that we'll be there month in, month out, 
We really hope that also the broader community in Melbourne can come and help and support. We hosted a volunteer session last month, which was really, really exciting. We had about 40 people come along and say they'd love to help out. And I guess we're still keen to continue to connect with people that way and make sure that there are a group of people that can help support the event for you know years to come so that many elders can enjoy it and many parts of the community can also enjoy it as well. Give us some information about the information sessions. Where can people go to find out about them, for example? Yeah, look, we held an information session last month. So if you are still interested, we would love to be able to hear from you as well. But I guess the best thing would be to do is to rock up to the dance club. Come as a guest and really enjoy yourself. Introduce yourself to Sarah or Beck or myself or anyone that's running the dance club and then we can also talk to you about when the next volunteer session will be happening which will probably be in a few months but the next dance club that we have is this Sunday the 19th of May from 2 till 4pm it's at the Melba Spiegel tent which is 35 Johnson Street Collingwood and we're there every month throughout the year so we can give you dates if you come along to this one on Sunday we can give you the dates for the remaining dance clubs throughout the year and Fingers crossed we'll be there throughout 2020 and 21 as well. Fantastic. Tristan, thank you so much for talking to me today on 3CR. The Dance Clubs for Our Elders are a great initiative. Thank you so much. Thanks for your time. Great much pleasure. Appreciated. Cheers. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.